And so for Sanaya, I want her inner dialogue. If there ever to be anything to hear that you're beautiful, I love you, you're important, you're smart, you're intelligent. So that, that she can push that because it's the truth. Can you say hi? Hi. Hi. She looks like she's judging us. It's okay. <laughs> she's judging us a little bit. <laughs> and she did get a we love you. Can you say hi? She got like a stink face. Like, I don't want to see these things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love you. You can take one thing. Oh, no, not that. You can take one thing. One thing. What about this? You want to take this? That's a good token? Okay, go with Papa now. Come on, please. No, what she want? She want something. She want me and something. Okay. All right, y'all. We're gonna have to do it the thug way. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark. And I'm Nick. I'm Sadie. And welcome back to Letters to Thank you all so much for joining us once again as we're back with a brand new episode. We have done two episodes on fatherhood, so we decided to switch it up and do one on motherhood. And we have a, an amazing guest, Miss Mrs. Pache Middleton. Hello, Pache. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. I'm thank so you, excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, like, like a lot of our guests, Pache is also someone that we met through our mutual... Former work environment. Mm-hmm. Well, former for us, but the Mercedes and Pache are still employed by them. In the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but Pache is a mother. From what we see, she's a great mother. And you guys heard earlier in the episode her and her her adorable little baby. What's your daughter's name again? Sanaya. Sanaya. Oh, but we call her Naya. Yeah, oh, we call her Naya. So cute. <laughs> See, when we were working at the office together, Pasha used to give me so much baby fever when she used to show her baby photos. I'm like, oh, like, like I want one. <laughs> she was the office baby. Like, <laughs> and at, at my former job where Pasha still worked, she was actually like my boss for a little bit. And whenever we used to have our like one on one meetings, Naya being in the background crying, I'm like, oh my god, it's so adorable. She's like, just give me one second. I'll be right back. Baby having the fit. I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, oh my God, this is adorable. <laughs> but let's let's just get into the episode. Uh Sadie, do you want to kick us off? You wanna you wanna take the lead? Yeah. Um, let's just jump into the background. Uh just describing the pregnancy, the journey, <laughs> the proudest moments, the fears, and kind of like how you navigated through all that. Oh, that's a doozy on the first one. Okay. Um, no, my um my pregnancy was terrifying but magical. Um, I historically have been told by a lot of physicians that I wouldn't be able to have children. And so when I got pregnant with Sanaya, it was like a dream come true. And um most of the pregnancy I was terrified that either of us weren't gonna make it because we know how America is and medicine and how they don't want us to live <laughs> um and so yeah and so it's really difficult to be in that space but also be like this is my chance this might be my one and only to bring life into the world and so uh all of the morning and evening sickness all of the restless nights like 
it was all worth it when she came out into the world. And uh, speaking about our workplace, like y'all saved me, <laughs> like helped me get through my pregnancy. Like there were moments where like I would freak out about a pain and like everyone was like, well, then go to the doctor. <laughs> and I, like everybody would make sure that I was eating. Like Sadie's was involved in like my work baby shower. Like it was just a lot of love um, that helped bring her into the world. Like I know people always talk about a village when it comes to raising kids and families and like definitely that team was like totally my village um pregnant at the end wasn't that great <laughs> i ended up getting diagnosed with preeclampsia even though i was pretty okay throughout yeah it's a rough one um throughout most of my pregnancy i was fine though and i did have pre-existing health conditions that made me want to prioritize me and Sanaya's health but I was about 38 weeks and the baby needed to be out. Um, I was in labor for about three days. I was not about that life. If I could give any advisement to any black mother, black parent, black people out there, um, even black fathers out here having children, um, biologically, non-biologically, like get a doula. Because uh, <laughs> like, if I had a doula to support me, I think my pregnancy would have been a lot better experience. I did have an OB guy that was like really supportive. Like I ended up having an emergency C-section and thinking it was like four in the morning because I was tired. I'm like, I stalled out at like seven centimeters. We weren't going to go anymore. I had tried the natural route for like three days and it was like four or five in the morning. And that man was there. <laughs> he was like, you did everything that you could. Like you're not making a bad choice. You're making a choice that's best for you. Let's have this baby. And um, I think one of the most beautiful moments is after she came out of me, uh, my husband said the goofiest shit ever, but it still makes me chuckle to this day. He was looking at her toes and he said, I think she missed that toe. And I'm like laid off, you know, in the operating room because I'm getting the C-section at this point. They didn't drug me up. I can't feel nothing from my chest down. And I'm just looking at this beautiful creature. And he's like, she missing the toe. She wasn't missing at all. <laughs> but that's important. And I think that might fuck up with your e equilibrium if you are missing at all. So I'm glad that wasn't a thing. Um, but I was a mom who was always eager to breastfeed. And so as soon as they brought her to me, you know, she was making this like suckling noise. And they were like, do you want to breastfeed? Try and latch. Latched her. And we had a good session for like 30 to 45 minutes. So that kind of brought forth that journey which was exciting um it's beautiful it was beautiful, <laughs> it was so, beautiful. It's so natural oh. it's one of the most natural things when i have kids i'm gonna definitely get one of those like breastfeeding um contraptions so what i can you about to breastfeed marcus they have it for fathers can do it they, they they have it. Oh, can do it. So is I'm, that I'm really a, get that's one. really a thing? Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's really a yeah, thing. Yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> Y'all shouldn't have told me that because I can't wait now. It's really oh, a thing. <laughs> because what they what they'll do is like they'll have the mom like like pump the milk and then they'll put it in the thing and then the father can strap it on so he can also bond with the baby the same way. Okay, mm -hmm. that my actually don't do it. That actually mm -hmm. brings me to a question I wanted to ask because I saw a meme on Facebook the other day that praised a man for doing like the bare minimum for his child. 
but it actually scolded the mom for doing the same things because they were saying that she could have been doing more as a mother, you know, going as a mother, you're expected to go above Mm -hmm. and beyond for your child. So is this double standard something that you've experienced firsthand or even noticed since you've become, since you've become a mother? Oh yes. Uh, That's my whole background. (laughs) Like the shit that I talk shit about the most um, is this double standards. Like I remember, um, you know, I, we live in a different kind of household. Me and Tristan, uh, who's my husband and his are dad. Mm-hmm. Like we all work off of a team mentality. And I'm going to say we really hit our stride. I think when she was about six months old, but before that it was utter chaos. I had to like set a lot of boundaries <laughs> and like, I, especially me being a working mom and a working woman, like this is not the 1960s. And so like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to meet me more than halfway. And it's definitely created like a really good space for us. Like Tristan changes most of the diapers uh, now, like after post maternity leave, I can't really say I've been down on that. He gives her lots of baths and does different kinds of feedings and all those kinds of things that sometimes I won't do on a daily basis. And Sometimes when people hear about it, they get a little concerned or they think it's strange. And I'm kind of just like, you over there not living your best life. Mind your business. But there have been moments. There have been moments like there was a moment when we were at the doctor's office and um, the doctor wanted us to like do a change uh, just to like check out her bottom real quick. And I was like, Tristan, you know, you go ahead and do your thing because... When I started to do it, Naya was getting kind of antsy and uncomfortable. And the doctor was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, usually they're, they don't want dad to change them. And I'm like, why not? We both parents. We all right. got private areas that need to get clean. I let them handle the basics and kind of keep it moving. Um, even like something that used to irk me, and it's selfish. It's so selfish. Is when I used to go to appointments. And, you know, I did have a husband and a father of my child that was very active would go to like every appointment but then like it would be a one appointment or two where i would go by myself and they're like where's dad and i'm like i don't give a fuck about dad i showed up today like <laughs> <laughs> i'm carrying this little creature i'm just trying to show up he'll be here next week like so it's just like little things like that sometimes where um yeah, doing the the bare minimum is, is a crazy thing. And it really contributes to this culture of mom guilt because you have to feel like you have to fulfill certain duties to be a mom. There are some days where I'm like, if I don't clean up enough, I don't deserve to do nice things for myself. And that's ass backwards. You got to prioritize yourself first, you know? Yeah. So it's give and take. <laughs> it's give Absolutely. and take. Well, well I have two questions. They, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, the first is, since becoming a mom, has that has that helped you under like helped you with your relationship with your own mother? And the second mm. question is, has your mom given you any advice about motherhood? Or are there mm. things that things that 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 were happening when you were a child that you're like, okay, I definitely won't be parent using those parenting techniques for my own child? I was gonna ask a similar mm. question to that, so that's mm. good. That's perfect. Okay, all right, <laughs> I'm ready for this. Um, so this might go like a completely different direction and like y'all feel free to take this ride with me. If you have any questions or want to stop me, let me know. (laughs) So, okay. Okay. So my story is a little bit different. Um, I come from a line of matriarchs who never were able to prioritize themselves and allow society and generational trauma to 
basically turn them into monsters. So my goal as a mother is to make sure that the same cycles that ended up being repeated in my life aren't repeated in my daughter's life. Um, like a really great example of that is uh, maybe too much information, but um, I have like multiple mental illnesses and throughout my entire childhood, like they were never really taken seriously. Like I didn't really start receiving or even going to therapy or recognizing the importance of therapy until I was about 17, 18 years old. Um, and so when it comes to my daughter, a lot of the lessons I've learned is like you said, what not to do. Um, when it came to Sanaya, we started recognizing like some delays in her speech and even some like different quirky behaviors that she was having on. And that actually led us down the pathway where actually a couple of weeks ago, we officially got her diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Um, and that's been a crazy like journey in itself, but I feel so grateful that you know, all the painful points that I might experience in my life, I'm able to course correct for her. Like considering this is an early intervention for her and she'll be able to have the tools throughout her life to better herself, unlike what I had. Yeah. Um, and it's really weird when it comes to mothers and parenting because I, the thing that I wanted to move away from when it came to my mom was the idea of you have to give your children everything you didn't have. I don't really fuck with that ideology. I move more in a space of you need to give your child everything that they deserve and everything that you're capable of offering. Because when you do that, you'll be able to prioritize their needs. You know, a lot of times during my childhood, I was reminded that my parents' mental health and their issues or health issues were disregarded. And so just stopping the cycle right there, like I just try my best as a mother to honor the pain and the suffering of my matriarchs. And just to add a little spin, a little twist on it and to do it a lot better. Um, and so that's what I try to do every day within my motherhood is just making sure that like I'm doing the best for us. Um, like I've heard a lot of times people say like, Sanaya sounds so happy or like how I might let her have a little funky moment. And it's like really beautiful to just be able to see a black girl be. Because when I was a child, I wasn't allowed to be a black girl that could just be. Carefree. Um, yeah, carefree, love, you know, with or without worry when it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of an interesting time <laughs> that you're saying that because I just had to like cut my mom off. Not on anything super intense, but we were just continuing to repeat a cycle. You know, my uh, mother and my grandmother didn't have the best relationship and it was kind of just a cycle repeating itself. And I realized that if I allowed the toxicity of my mother to impact my relationship, I wouldn't be the best mom for Sanaya. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I've kind of been moving. But that, that's also interesting about me and my, my, um, my motherhood. It's not like a monolith, like considering that I'm black and I'm fat and I'm neurodivergent and I'm queer. And like, it's a lot of layers <laughs> that weave into it where I can be able to kind of nudge on that. Like, some of the, the things or the tips or the tricks that I would get from my, my mother is like black motherhood things or like different songs you could sing. Cause she was really like a good singer or really like good pick or tricks and tips that you can use if you want them to go to sleep or while you're breastfeeding or while you're feeding them or all these other kind of things. Um, but it's been like a really amazing journey in itself because I recognize that if Sanayo ever wants to become a mother or a parent one day, she'll have 
a lot of tools that <laughs> I didn't have. Um, and one thing I've also done to prioritize myself is to continue to go through therapy. Um, one thing that my mom always was telling me when she was a child is that she wanted to wait for therapy. And um, that never really sat right with me. Like as a mother, I'm like, I don't want to let ancestral shit impact my child. And so if I can nip it in the bud here, I can. So it's been interesting. It's been I, interesting. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's very interesting how a lot of our, our mothers, grandmothers, the people that came before us often think that in prioritizing the needs of the child in that moment and neglecting their own needs, that they're helping that child develop. But what they're doing is they're modeling to that child that you have to put your needs um, on the back burner and help mm-hmm. others. And I think that that's a very, I know it's a, it's, it, it's, they're trying to be helpful in that regard, but it's actually hindering the child from having a healthy relationship with themselves. So mm-hmm. I just think that that's a very interesting observation. Mm-hmm. Do you find that mm-hmm. being a mother now has just made you more empathetic to um, the experience of, experiences of your mother and caregivers growing up? Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that allows me to give them space and give them peace because they've already gone through so much. Like my great grandmother was a sharecropper. And the only reason why she became a free woman is because her husband bought her. And then she went on to live a life where she had about 13 or 14 children. And I remember my mother would talk about the letters that her grandmother would send her as a child and how it looked like a kindergartner had wrote them because my great grandmother was learning how to read and write as an adult throughout her life. Um, And then I remember even my mom saying before she passed, before my great grandmother passed, like she could read and write her own letters. She could write in cursive. And so for me, that's why I try to be the best mother that I can so that I can honor the mothers who didn't have the choices or the decisions that I make, I think is really harmful in the black community sometimes, not to make it too dark, but like how we say like shit is like white people shit or white people things. It's like, if I do have access to certain resources, I'm gonna use it because my ancestors did not. And it's gonna help me and my child progress further. And it's like, it would be a waste of their life and all of their trauma and all of the things that they went through to not Mm -hmm. do better. Um, and you so, shouldn't be ashamed for that. Yeah, yeah. And complete, like, even when it comes to my mother and a lot of the issues that she dealt with growing up, she was damn near a single mom existing in space with a man because my father was not emotionally and I will even say spiritually <laughs> available. Um, and so just looking at her journey and, like, making sure that I do, what's the point of me sitting up, taking all of these care tasks and stressing myself out while working and doing all these things for my daughter when I can just have a transparent conversation with my husband, like, I'm going to need you to meet me halfway. (laughs) Or now transforming it where I am grateful and praising him for the things that he does so that he can continue to provide that kind of support and know what the fuck is going on. Um, I think it's weird that, like, sometimes people go to mom of, like, well, what happened when she was a baby here? What happened? I love when Tristan can chime in and answer. Like, I'm like, well, tell me something I don't. And so learning from that too. <laughs> that, that That is honestly the way it should be. I, you know, mm-hmm. for so long, 
it's just the 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 burden of childbearing and child rearing has always been on the women in society but we're in a time now where men can get just as involved i mean we were just talking about how men can breastfeed these kids now <laughs> so i mean there's it, it makes sense that men should be involved in just about every aspect of a child's life And I think that we're living in a time now where men can definitely be more involved um, technically by, you know, breastfeeding because they have devices for that, Mm -hmm. but also disciplining the children and um, not just providing because the the responsibility was always on men to provide for children. And that was it. They never offered, they were, they rarely offered emotional support, Mm -hmm. um, spiritual guidance and things like that, that always tended to fall on the mothers. So whenever a father, I'm going back to that meme I saw on Facebook, the father was giving the kid uh, McDonald's or something. And they were like, oh, such a fun dad. And when the mom did it, they were like, oh, what a lazy mother. She should well, be for the kid. And I was like, damn, why can't she be a fun, a fun mom? But okay. Because mm-hmm. um, being, I don't know about y'all, and I'm, I'm, being an adult is hard for me. So I can only yeah, imagine yeah. what it is for a, a, a woman and a mother to like have to take care of herself, but also her kid. Sometimes she don't feel like cooking. Come on now. <laughs> Sometimes it's a reward for her. Sometimes it's a reward for the kids. Sometimes it's groceries in the back of the trunk. <laughs> and we just stopping there. You know, we got the families just stopping there. Like <laughs> that's, that's, some black, that's some black that's some black shit right there. That's some black <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want something where you load up groceries and y'all ain't gotta cook nothing, whatever it is. And that's the wild part about it, too, I think, when it comes to my parenting. Um, not to put my hubby on blast, but I always had envisioned, probably especially in my early 20s, that I would be creating a family with a non-man. Um, like, Tristan is the first man that I've seriously been with. I don't know. I'd be saying years, but that was back then. But back when I was dating and living my best life, he was the first guy that I really took seriously. And so for me, it's like, I'm not going to change the way I parent just based off of genitalia, just based off of what you identify as. Like, I still want to be able to implement safe spaces. Um, And like, I think that people don't understand that parenting is not just between the biological parents or the foster parents or the adoptive parents. It really is a village type of vibe. Like, yes, I feel some type of way towards my mom right now, but there have been so many other maternal figures that have supported me and even paternal figures that have supported me and helping me raise Sanaya. And like there, I've always thought about, this is the really important thing I think it is, co-parenting. And not just co-parenting when you're in a relationship with someone. Like we always have transparent conversations of our co-parenting should never fail no matter where our relationship is. If we're married, if we're open, if we're fingering things out, if we, you're across the country, whatever it is, the co-parenting has to remain at 100 because that shouldn't impact Sanaya. Like, that's not her place. But like, I don't really think people understand that it literally took two people flocking <laughs> for tissues to form and for this creature to be made. And, of course, we can go into all the scenarios where that had, may not have been consensual or best for the parties involved. But that was the decision we had made. <laughs> and we ended up bringing her into this world. And so now we have to handle our business, you know? And I do get that a lot. It's like, you should definitely, if you have a cis man that you are a partner to, 
make sure he in the know. I used to tell him, I'm like, when I was pregnant, I would say, read an article a day so that I'm not spending all my time educating you on stuff that I'm learning about too. Doesn't make any sense for me to learn all this stuff about myself and then for you to sit around and not read things too. Yeah. Um, so it's also like self-advocacy as well. Like you got to kind of know what you need because every pregnant person is different. Every pregnant person has different needs. Every child has different needs and you got to prioritize that. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know, Marcus, you said you had something. You, you well, had a, a nugget. Talking, we were talking um, last week, last week's episode with Cleo and Maria, and Cleo brought up a point that, unknowing to her mom, there are things that her mother would say around her or to her that had long-term effects on her that still bother her, and that sometimes when she when she hears a certain thing or says a certain thing, like, she, she gets triggered by it. Hmm. Are, are are you cognizant of like these are these these are things I probably shouldn't say to her or around her, just because so, like I, you you don't know what that's gonna do to her down the line down the line or to her development. Mm. Mm. That's a really powerful powerful question for me. Just considering where me and my daughter are within our relationship, like because of her autism, she's currently nonverbal. Like you might have heard her make like a couple of noises, squeaks. She sings a lot. Um, but she's super observant. <laughs> and so I am extremely cautious about what I say around her because even though she's not relaying that feedback to me verbally, I know that she is observing it. Um, and so that's why I will hit her with a million I love you's a day or a million you're beautiful. Like just to have that validation of her constantly hearing her life that she's beautiful, that she's smart, that she's intelligent to because what the problem really lies at is that a lot of those hurtful and demeaning messages are woven into people's inner thoughts. Like there are times with myself where I catch myself having a triggering moment and a bad moment and I have to say, who told you that? Was that you who told you that? Or was some, somebody else who told you that? And I'm like, oh, that's what your mom said. Your mom says you're a liar. Or your dad said you'll never be. Or your dad said you can't ever complete nothing or finish this right. And so for Sanaya, I want her inner dialogue, if there ever to be anything, to hear that you're beautiful, I love you, you're important, you're smart, you're intelligent. So that, that she can push that because it's the truth. It's the truth. It really that is, is the truth. That is a very, very powerful tool to help combat distorted thinking. And I think it's important that we teach that to children because so many people suffer from low self-esteem because of that inner dialogue. And they're in reality, they're they're kind of doing it to themselves because of what mm-hmm. they've been taught uh, or, you know, what, what, what's been ta- said to them during their formative years. So mm-hmm. that is a good way to, to like combat those, those distorted uh, thoughts that you have, it that is. you tend to have. It is, especially as black people, you know, especially as black oh, people yeah. and as people raising children in 2022, like I definitely understand, you know, the last couple of generations of black people feeling like, you need to have tough skin and I need to make sure that like I say horrible shit to you so that when you go out in the world, you're prepared. That's ass backwards. What really should oh, be happening right. is you should be creating a safe space within your home so that you have something to come back to when shit is too overwhelming or you're not receiving what you deserve. And so that's why I try to move into a space like I'm not going, especially when people talk about kids and like being spoiled. I personally... Outside of, um, I would say, like, 
the kids are in the 1% and white people, I don't really think there's a way that you could spoil a child of color in my mind. When people say that child's spoiled, that's very, very strange to me. <laughs> because I'm like, you're giving the kid what they deserve. Um, and so I try, and I try, like I said, I do swear like a sailor, uh, but so I, I try not to swear as much around her too, but just following her, her thoughts with beautiful and compassionate statements so that she can carry that throughout her life. It's like really important to me, mom, especially because people don't understand as humans, we really do cling to that pain. There have been so many moments that I've gone back to and been like, why did this person say this to me? And then I confront them about it years on later and they're like, Oh, well, I didn't really mean that, or I didn't really remember that. And so another thing that I've been trying to work on with my daughter is like, I'm not going to always be able, she cackling, I'm not going to be able to always um, prevent her from being in pain, right? But what I can do is provide a space for healing. Um, even if it's things that I've done, I think something that I want to do differently than my mother is just hold myself accountable. You know, if my daughter comes to me one day and says, do you remember that one day back in 2025 when I really wanted the grilled cheese and you didn't give me that shit? I was mad. I want her to be able to <laughs> come to me and say that and I'd be like, you know what? Mommy was real busy that day. I had a lot of meetings and so I feel you. And even deeper topics like that. Because mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people don't understand that they need to be parented upwards. Like I want her to be able to give appropriate feedback on how I'm raising her, how she's feeling one day. And if you're just filling their head full of bullshit, they're never going to be able to advocate for themselves in that kind of way. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a it's kind of like a partnership when you really think about it. It is one it of is. the issues I have with my mom now because I'm in therapy too, and I'm uncovering a lot of trauma from my childhood. And my mother is a great parent, um, and I know she did the best that she could. Um, she and my dad did. But one of the things I struggle with with my mom is whenever I'm telling her about some, something that she said or did and how it impacted me, she will always say like, oh, I guess I must be a terrible mom then. And I'm just like, I did not say that. Mm -hmm. so all I'm doing is saying like how, mm -hmm. all <laughs> just pointing out how something you said or did impacted me in a, in a way and how it affects me to this day. Doesn't make you a bad mm -hmm. parent. Sometimes you're not even aware of how your actions impact the child so that's mm -hmm. all but it's like it's hard to, to to have that bridge that gap there because it seems like they're they get so defensive about that yeah yeah and i've learned that from about myself i am a defensive person like and not in a way that i want to like attack people but i want to always try to prove that you know i'm not lying or i'm right but you got to go outside of that like i yeah. say this sometimes often you have to elevate yourself above your trauma if you continue to pro provide a parenting relationship with a child and all you are is sitting in your trauma, you're never going to be able to give them what they need. And everybody has different needs. Everybody has different yeah. feelings. One thing you do for one child might not work for the other. One person within your lineage, it's not going to, you can't copy and paste it. And the thing that's wild about parenting a lot or just raising kids is that like we aren't even in a place in society where we can have these conversations <clears throat> as adults. <laughs> So it's just like, if, right. as an adult, if I can come to you and tell you that there's something that I don't like that you did as a child, I should be able to do the same exact thing. And like you say, th it's not about 
intentions. I think a lot of times people get so stuck. I heard my mom say that, well, I didn't intend to do that. That I was just doing the best thing that I could. That's not the problem. The problem is the impact, how it impacted me and how it right. makes me feel or how it impacts you and how it makes you feel. And people don't even understand if you just take two seconds to step out, out, outside of yourself and say, I hear you. I'm listening to you. I'm going to validate that. Validate. Thank you. Acknowledge it at least. Because I know with, with my mom, she will be like, dang how it happened. I'm like, but yes, yes, it was. Stop gaslighting me, mom. The big issue with me and my mom is that she's like, I don't understand why you didn't come out to me sooner. I'm like, you got mad when I tried to eat rainbow candy, or you got oh. mad that, you got mad that I that I wanted the cosmic brownie instead of brownie with the walnuts. You got come on now. You got you got mad if I did anything. Well, that's what girls do. You know what I mean, like that. You, oh. you just make that. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm like, because, like because of you, I have a lot. I have a little homophobia and. Some toxic homophobia. Some, some Internalized. Toxic I'm like Internalized. You, you ingrained all like a lot of homophobia in me. Like, like, no, you weren't using the F word or calling me a sissy or none of that, but you didn't create a space, mm. a safe space for your potentially queer child. And then you wonder why your child had a difficult time coming out to you. Mm. And maintaining a relationship with you right. afterwards because yeah. usually when you come out, you also think stick to you that they say that weren't appropriate either. I had, oh, phew, I had the most, I, I still think about this to this day and it just burns me. My mom is one of those like bi-curious allies who gets insulted when you <laughs> try to correct her um, or check her and internalize homophobia and transphobia, but like straight up outed me to my dad after I requested that she did not out me to my dad. And then he said, like, the most horrific thing to me ever, uh, where he was like, oh, I know your mom, I know your mom was saying how you like girls and you didn't want to tell me, but two girls together, that's hot. It's just two guys together. That's icky. And I'm just like, I'm 12 and I have a crush on my a girl in my art class. I don't give a fuck about your porn preferences. Right. And so, but if I were to go back and to tell my parents that that happened, they would act like it didn't happen and I was just mm-hmm. trying to make it up. I had a conversation with my mother recently um, and I'm like, I'm trans and I've never felt comfortable saying that to you because you told me when I came out that it was okay that I like girls, but if I wanted to change my clothes and dress like a dude, that wouldn't be okay. And of course, the rebuttal to that is I don't remember that. And I'm just like, they don't want to remember that. That's what they it is. They don't want to remember. They don't want to they remember. They want to live in their own truths of them being queer, of them being trans, of them still yeah. fighting them, and battling themselves, or them being curious. Um, I recently learned now that my dad's been bisexual for decades, so it's just like... Do you like horror movies, like Halloween and the Blair Witch? Well, if you're like me and you do, you should join me and listen to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, where they discuss and review horror movies and horror movie franchises. If you're not listening to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, you're definitely missing out. And I want to I want to completely validate something that you said, Marcus, is the it's about making it about her. That's a lot. That's I would say if I can be selfish and say I would say that's about 85 percent of parents problems 
is that in the process of bringing these creatures into their world, they're not thinking about the endless possibilities of what they could be. They're thinking about what they want them to be so that they mm-hmm. can fulfill their needs, mm-hmm. whether they want to live through their kids, whether mm-hmm. they want to dream of the husband and the wife they're going to have and how many mm-hmm. grandkids are going to be able to swaddle and bring around. They don't think about just letting the kids pop out and then letting them organically grow and like, be themselves. Yeah. It's all about how it reflects on them. Like, how is it going to make me look? I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. Exactly. And a lot of, a lot of parents think of their children as an extension of themselves instead of an mm-hmm. individual human beings with their own potential, their own preferences, mm-hmm. their own life that they're going to develop, you know, one day. They mm-hmm. just see their kids as an extension of who they are. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not really, that's not really what it is. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even, I think what a lot of people don't even understand, especially when it comes to gender and sexuality, it's like one, those are two separate things. And two, if I could be completely honest, I wasn't my best self as a mother until I truly started to balance my masculine and divine feminine. I'm not gonna lie. Like I made a lot of assumptions growing up that to be a wife, to be a mother, to be all of these things, I would, I couldn't thrive in my masculinity. So that's the other harmful part about it is that it's a spectrum. Like we all dip between being masculine and feminine and what's best for us. And that may influence our sexual preferences, but a lot of times <laughs> and we have to it's like it's so much especially in this day and age it's so much unlearning and relearning that we have to do for us to be free like i could already tell from all our vibes we can be a lot more at peace than our parents were because they want to hold all these boxes into place and they bring all that generational baggage yeah and i'm so tired of like why we gotta want to be like the white man? Like, because <laughs> what the white man got is not what we need to have. Like, we don't it, need um, to put all these standards on ourselves. We don't need to be Eurocentric or have these harmful and slavery-based practices influence the way that we support our children. Like, does not make any kind of sense, especially uh, when it comes to yes, queer folks. I was gonna say cisgender, he- the cisgender heteronormativity white supremacy and colonialism just isn't working for us. It's, it's inconsistent. Not. It's inconsistent Mm-mm. with who we are as people. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. Mm-mm. It don't Mm-mm. even really work for them either. It's not really working for them either. Mm-mm. They don't like it either. You talked about supporting kids. And I know something that Mercedes always brings up is how compared to the white, the white people, their kids are able to stay in their houses for, for years without having to pay rent or pay a bill. Ooh. They can just go to school, go to work, stack their coins until they're ready to move out on their own. Mm. We're financially mm. stable. But with black people, we expect our kids to pay start paying bills once they turn 16 and got a job. Mm. And it's like, I'm like, why aren't we supporting our kids and, le- and like teaching them financial literacy? Because something that, something that I was watching some show and the parents, like, they were, it, was, it was a black show, and the parents weren't asking their kids to pay rent. They just be like, "Give me like, give me a hundred bucks out of your paycheck. I'm not going like, you're not paying rent, but you give me a hundred bucks. I want you to be have, I want you to be aware of like, you have deadlines every month. You have to pay a bill every month. But they took that money and they put it in a savings account. Mm-hmm. So when it was time for them to move out, they had that set. cushion, a little nest egg. Yeah, but but mm-hmm. they, they were just taking that money every paycheck because it was like, okay, when you get out in the real world, 
you're gonna be responsible for monthly bills. So this is just mm. simulation, but this money is still yours. Yeah. I'm just taking it so you can know the process. Mm. I'm like, that's what you should be doing. That's how it should be. One thing about my parents. That's the one thing about my parents that I am grateful for because here I am, 31 years old, and I've lived under this roof for you know most of my life, all of my life, and they've never made me pay rent. They mm. never made me feel like I had to be pushed out the house. Like my parents would be happy if I stayed here for the rest of my life. They wouldn't care. But <laughs> that was blessing. one thing. They never wanted me to be out there struggling financially. I think a lot of it is because they understood what that's like as a Black person in this society. So that's one thing I do say that they, they kind of like broke the cycle there. But that's just how my family is. I know every Black family isn't like that. But I really wish more were. Um, because I think we'd all be better off financially if we did have that support from our parents and that space to just grow and develop this. Because I've learned a lot about financial literacy over the years that I share with my parents that has helped mm -hmm. them you know, prepare for their retirement. And they've been grateful. So it's been a beneficial and symbiotic relationship for all of us. But it's great that I'm fortunate enough to have it. And I am grateful for that. Y'all got an extra room though? <laughs> Come on over. Do y'all accept We can make it a whole village. You know what I'm saying? A whole community. And that's, that that sounds really, that's so beautiful. Like for you, Nick. And like, it's what I envision for Sanaya because a lot of times black families don't even have the infrastructure to teach us how to adult. Like, and, and there's this like really rough and friction-based transition between 16, 17, 18, and 19, where it's like, up until the point you're 18, you're a kid, you can't tell me shit, your voice means nothing. And then it's like, once you're 18, you're grown now, figure everything out. Like, and you still that can't is tell so me chaotic. Shit. And you still can't tell me shit, right? <laughs> and I'm like, how can a motherfucker be on the insurance till they're 26? But gotta be out of the house before then. Like that don't make any kind of sense. It really doesn't, especially when it comes to trying to figure out your best career paths. Like it's really harmful how it's kind of like a pass or fail when it comes to post education after high school because black people, black parents be on your ass. They be trying to make you do leaps and bounds that they could never do. Like I was a first generation college student. And ooh, it was a rough ride, especially going to a PWI. And like my parents could never relate to that experience. And I'm like, you didn't set me up to be able to sustain myself, being in a sea of white people and not being affirmed, being out of state, dealing with having to pay for books and all this other kind of stuff, dealing with having to work multiple jobs. Like you shouldn't have to do all of those things. You should be able to be free and be yourself and figure things out. Do you like supporting local business? How about Black-owned local business? Or even better, a Black female-owned local business? Well, if you do, we have the perfect business for you. Black Forward Clothing, Inc., a new clothing brand owned and designed by Mercedes Scott. They have an array of affordable clothes such as t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, joggers, and even a face mask. So you can fight COVID in style. They say true to their slogan, it's more than a name, it's a power movement. By pushing their brand to bring awareness to mental health and anti-hate. So support the movement by supporting the brand. You can find a link for the store in the description below. 
they should also be able to talk to their kids about the options because I felt like I had to go to college. Like my dad went to community school. He went to no, he didn't. He went to culinary school after college. Okay, mm. I got a culinary degree. My mom oh, your daddy, your college. daddy be cooking. Look, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 He went to the Okay, he went there. He was always like, you don't have to go to to university or college. He's like, you can go, go, go to just go, go to, go to school, go get education after high school. So I always felt like I, was, I have to do this. I have to do this. But then I realized, I was like, you know what? College isn't for me. This, this, like, it, it, this is great. Having a degree is great and it's beneficial. But I, I am fully a hundred percent aware. But this environment, this, none of this is for me. I'm like, I don't know what my path is, but I know I'm not going to figure that out inside this college building or any college building. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But then I felt like so ashamed that I was like, I'm, I'm going to stop going to school. Like it came to a point Aww. that I, I didn't stop going. I didn't completely end going to school until I moved out. Cause I was like, you know what, if mm-hmm. I want, if I want the life that I think I deserve or want to live, I got to leave my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And my mom asked me mm-hmm. $50 a month was the was like, you know what, this is what I needed. She want she wanted me to pay money, so now it's time for me to leave. Mm-hmm. Now I now I can leave leave home, leave school and just do my own thing. And even mm-hmm. that and that the fact that I always wanted to stress is you should make it okay or make your kids feel comfortable to have hard conversations with you. Because mm-hmm. I always felt like I can't mm-hmm. I can't talk to my parents about anything because I can be 35 years old. They still gonna try to talk to me like I'm a child. Mm. And it's like, if that's the conversation we're going to have, then I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to do my own. Like, I would rather be thousands of dollars in debt than come to you for advice because you're going to talk down to me. Like, see, see I told you if you would have did like, but that's not what I was trying to hear. Mm. I was coming to you for advice, not to be scolded. And I felt so uncomfortable. I never came back to you again. Now I'm in debt. Now mm. the people knocking on my door for to lock me mm. up because I didn't feel safe enough to come to you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's because they loving out of fear and not out of love. I didn't mean because yes. she was. That's because yes. they loving. I mean, that's because they parenting out of fear and not out of love. Because fear if you based. base your parenting out of love, you would never say or do half the things to your kid. Like, and how did you survive? Like, you got to be like, you got to give yourself so much props, Marcus, because you're like. I have to survive and I have to parent myself. It's a bunch of us just parenting ourselves because what other choice do we have? We don't mm-hmm. have you have to rework. And then it's weird because watching my mom and her mom, like my grandmother can say to some don't talk to me like that, mom. I'm 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 not a kid. But then you would turn around and then talk to me the way that you don't want her to talk to you. Yes. And that kills me. I'm like you know this is wrong when it's been done to you, but you don't have no problem doing it to me. Like, I've gotten better. I'm getting better at like boundaries with my mom and like just telling her like, you know, this is just how it's going to have to be for me. And I she, she vents to me and tells me her frustration that she has with my grandma. And I'm just like, hey, this would be a great opportunity for you like, to set those boundaries with her. You know? Hold up a and like you said nick setting those boundaries because if not 
you'll get you don't even understand how sometimes you can get looped into your parents cycles mm-hmm. and you don't even re- realize that you're part of them not breaking a cycle again like my grandmother passed last year and she was one of those grandmothers one of those matriarchs that left the world with a lot of secrets and so that's why i ended up having to take a break from my mother and cutting her off because i'm like you're allowing us to go down the same path your mother passed without giving them your validation and all the information that you need. And I've come to you maturely over the years and done the same thing. And so I'm going to just bow out because you got to set those boundaries. If not, you get looped into someone else's cycle and that's not the purpose for your life. You know? Right. I feel, like, I feel like being an observing kid helps you a lot because I was always an observing kid, mostly because mm-hmm. I was still being raised on that old, old notion of kids should be seen not heard yeah because and because i was always being seen and not heard i always heard and saw every goddamn thing around me Mm. i'm like i'm like you know what you're right i I shouldn't be i should just be seen but as i'm being seen i hear every conversation going on in every Mm. room that i'm in and i would be aware of the hypocrisy i was i I was witnessing a bunch of hypocrisy (laughs) yeah and like that would be like you know Mm. what and that makes you start to like second guess everything your parent tells you. Mm-hmm. That was me at a young age. I'm like, see, my parent says this and that, but then when we get around other people, this is happening, that's happening. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm mm-hmm. seeing this happening, and I'm witnessing all these conversations. I'm like, okay, so I need to just take all this with a pinch of salt. Like that was me at like five, six years old, like picking up on shit. I'm like, it was, it was the inconsistency for Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Across the board, like all like, it's like when, when you're an observing kid, especially like 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 Naya, like you pick up on everything. Mm-hmm. Like you be That's off in everything. a corner. Like to to this day, I'm still quiet, and I will sit somewhere and just be watching the room because you learn so much when you're just supposed to be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. which is very Monica. Which That's is how Monica damaging. is. She yes. was just like that. She was very observant of things. And she would be like, now, wait a second. You yes. saying this, but you doing, okay. <laughs> Two and twelve together. Right. And that's y'all learning how to trust yourself early on. It took me a long, I'm, I'm just finally getting into a space where I can like trust myself 80% of the time. Because that's really good for you because you don't have to deal with the bullshit. You already know and see what's true. You and you won't bullshit. be able to allow to anyone bullshit, to tell you yeah. otherwise. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah it's, self-gaslighting myself. This is the hard part that I kind of, this is a hard part and a weird feeling for me as a parent of a special needs kid is that we don't even have the structure within our back families to support neurotypical children. And it's really disappointing to me that we time and time again, don't choose to meet children where they're at. Like you shouldn't have to be a disabled kid or a queer kid or any kind of kid to be met halfway. And then if you are, it's time to go 200% because you got to think about it. Like a lot of times people don't think about, people think about blackness as a monolith. But like there's so many things that are incorporated into it. And so you just have to be open and you have to be free to explore all of your options. Like if your kid is the type of kid who can go to college and do all those things, that's great. If your kid is the type of kid who picks up a trade, that's great. If your kid is the type of kid who is on TikTok, I'm going to be real. This might be inappropriate, but if my daughter came one day and was like, mom, 
I don't want you to ever see my link, but I'm popping on OnlyFans. I'm going to be like, I'm not happy for you. Be safe. <laughs> be safe. But I'm happy for you because you live in a dream that I probably wouldn't even go down. Like, whatever makes people the happiest is what I've always wanted to be my priority. And people just don't want to be happy. They just want you to be miserable with them. So you got to prioritize it. So I think it's great that as a parent, you want to recognize what it is your child is passionate and interested in and cultivate that to let them live their most authentic life. Because mm-hmm. like you say, a lot of the times parents will tell us what our path has to be because they, they, they believe that that would be the best path for, for you or because it was something that they wanted to accomplish, but couldn't. So this is just another way for them to feel validated or um, live vicariously through you. Mm-hmm. One of the things my dad said when we were growing up was you have three places you can go after graduation from high school. You can go to the college, the military, or you can go into the workforce. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'll support you whatever you decide to do. And I think he understood that. I think he wanted us all to go to college just to get that experience. But it was it's not necessarily for everyone. And that's OK. I did. I took that route. My sister took that route. My brother started off taking that route, but he was really interested in working. That was what he was really he really wanted to just have a job and make money and just start and just start living his best life. And, you know, a career was going to come to him eventually, but he wanted to dabble in a few things before he committed to a specific career. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that either. I think that we all should be given space for that. And my mom has always just been very supportive of whatever it is we decided to do, but she's not going to lie and say she wasn't proud that, you know, that, you know, I took, you know, or mm-hmm. that my um, sister took. And going to college because, you know, that was what she thought would be the best avenue for us. And she was, you know, completely supportive of that. Um, Mm. So, yeah, it's just really interesting. Yeah. Also, nurture your kids' creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Mm. And and Mm. don't force your 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 creative aspirations onto your kids. Yeah. Or or, my my dad loves to cook. I like to cook. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I get that from my dad and from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And but like my, my dad also loved football. Mm-hmm. And I don't know because my parents spotted the gate or I'm pretty sure my parents spotted the gate really early. <laughs> they did. My mom, my they mom definitely did. Hint, hint Not the spotted. <laughs> she definitely spotted the gate definitely early. I'm That's why sure she wouldn't she, let you eat Skittles. Mm. Yeah, and I'm pretty mm. sure she was whispering in my dad's ear. So she was All like, right, was, I want you to I want mm. you to play a sport. They knew I wasn't going to play basketball. They knew I was too short. I don't got good hand-eye coordination. It wasn't going to happen. But my dad played football in high school. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this to him. Like, I was like, I hate football. Ooh, I hate, I hate sports. But I, I played football for a season for him when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. Now, I had, already so played, I had already played a little bit of hockey, but I, had, I played hockey under circumstances. Mm-hmm. Hockey though, right? That was something you enjoy doing, right? I play hockey to get a man. I yeah, that was for other reasons. Okay. All right, Mark. Yeah, that right. was other reasons. I'm, I'm out here doing thinking doing that you were passionate about. Actually, I joined, I started playing hockey, and I actually learned about hockey, got into it because of a man. But once I was actually playing hockey, I fell in love with it. Like I still love hockey to this day. Mm. But that's something that I, I went into because I wanted to go into it. But now I I played football for that season mm. just to appease my dad because like, this is what he did as this is what he did as a kid. So I'm trying to have this connection 
And also, I'm pretty sure they are aware that I'm gay as fuck and I got to throw off the scent. So let me play hockey. I mean, let me play football. Like there aren't gay football players, but okay. There's a lot of them. And they if anything, a, that's the best place to be the guys. Uh, they were in the closet back in 20, 2009. Mm-hmm. So that's they, the best they, place they to be in the But also, but then when I was like, yeah, I'm not, playing, hockey, I'm, I'm not playing football. <laughs> I'm not playing football next Central. season. It was like, why? Why are you not playing football next season? Mm-hmm. So, it, was a lot. it was a lot. And then when I was like, you know, I think I want to do this. Why you want to do that? Because this is what I'm interested in. Mm. Girls do. Like, uh, oh, so you're doing a bending? About that. Doing a bending. Okay. You know, <laughs> at the same time, while they be bending, that's the crazy okay. part. We don't even be knowing. <laughs> but see, also, you fairy and shit, they be doing a bending, and they just afraid mm-hmm. that it been robbed off on Spoilers. us. Like, Spoilers. it's genetics. <laughs> You're talking about like transition, but I think parents have to like your relationship changes when as your kid gets older. You can't mm-hmm. talk to your eight to your, to your seventeen year old the way you talked to him when he was seven. Mm-hmm. Damn sure can't talk to your twenty seven year old like he's still seventeen or seventeen. Like mm-hmm. your your language and the conversation and the type of conversations you have has to change, has to age and mature with your child as they age and mature. Mm. And I think that's really hard for black parents. Black parents who all are they're always in the mindset, I don't care how old you is, you still my child. Like, yes, I am still your kid, but I am not a child. So please talk to me like an adult. Like I just mm. want black parents, especially, to understand that their children are human beings. Mm. They're not possessions of yours. They're not an extension of you in that regard. You have to recognize your child as an individual. They're person. not your punching mm-hmm. bag. Mm-hmm. That's just your child mm-hmm. is not your punching bag. Mm-hmm. You had a bad day at work. Don't come into the house. My, my, daddy, on. my dad did this a lot. He would have a hard day at work and just come home and start screaming. Now he stopped doing that because my grandmother was like, "Don't do that. Don't come in the house screaming and shit." The kids mm-hmm. see you for four. The kids, your kids see you for three hours out per day, and all mm-hmm. they know, all they know that you do was scream and yell. And she was like, mm-hmm. you, can't, "You cannot be doing that to them." So mm. he stopped that, but still, I was like, like, right, yeah, he come like, dad just be screaming. My, mm. my brother said his day will come to me before they go to him because all he does is grunt and get attitude. Yeah. And that's wild. That's really wild because it's like, for a lot of parents, they don't want to meet you where you're at now. They only see you in the position where they had the most power over you. And they just want to go back to that consistently. So you don't want to see me as the mother, the parent, the working wife, all these other things now. You want to see me as the seven-year-old who you could control and have power over because you've been in positions and areas in your life where you are either powerless or you feel like if you're able to control everything that's going to happen to my life, that's like protecting me or saving me in some kind of way. And so anytime I feel like I have a moment where I'm like, you just trying to this is for control. Just like Nico said, this is for control. You think you can control this other piece of yourself? I'm going to let you be. <laughs> I'm not about that. Mm-hmm. I have, I have mm-hmm. a question. I haven't seen this person because my mom and grandmother, well, my grandmother has always lived with us. So I've always had three parental figures in my house. But I have seen mm-hmm. this with other people where their parent is parenting 
their parenting skills. Mm. Like, how, how'd you come across that where your mom is like, you shouldn't be doing that, like, because I didn't do that for you. Like, I didn't, do that. I, I didn't do this when I was raising you, so you shouldn't be doing that. Or, oh, you doing this wrong. You should be doing it this way. Like, how, has that happened to you in any instances? That's happened to me on both sides. That's happened to me, like, on the in-law side and also on the parent side. Most of that is I'm like, fuck you. You don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not going to take advice from people who couldn't even supply or support my basic human needs. So whenever mm-hmm. they try to hit me with a, oh, you you could really actually put Vaseline instead of Aquaphor and I could be like, you could have went to therapy and had us start family therapy. <laughs> like, this is one of these type of models. Like, fuck, the, fuck putting cornstarch on the baby if they got a rash. Like, how about you address your drinking problem? Like, that's all. Like, oh. whenever, I with, whenever I get hit with shit like that, I'm like low tolerance. In the back of my mind, I'm saying those things, but on the outside, I'm usually just like, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I just keep it fucking moving because I don't need that. It's, it's it, but it, it depends. It depends on the type of, of parent that you have. I think a lot of parents really desire being grandparents. I'm not going to lie. I fall into that boat, that little bit of that toxic boat that like one day I would love to be a grandparent. I don't even care. And I mean that anyway. I think my child could have a pet and the dog is going to be like my little grandbaby. I don't care. It's just something that <laughs> she's loving on that I want to love on too. But a lot of them, it's like when it comes to the grandkids, it's redemption. Like this is not your second fucking chance yes. to parent. This is my first time to parent. You sit your ass down. You've had multiple chances. This is my turn. So like you had your turn already. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. That's kind of my parents will be grandparents because I definitely want kids. But I'm always afraid of like when I have kids. Do I want my kids to go stay the night with grandma and grandpa? Because Hey, that's up to you. Tell, I tell them I tell them all the time, when I do have kids, I won't be spanking them. I won't be yelling at them. I won't be cursing them. I'll be saying the I same want, thing. I don't want you to spank, yell, or curse mm-hmm. at my kid. Like, yes, discipline them, but don't make them feel ho- like don't beat them like a slave. Don't mm-hmm. degrade them. Don't make them feel mm-hmm. horrible. Just like mm-hmm. have, I, I just find a different way to discipline them. Just I, go, I used to, I used to give speak. They used to give me speeches and make me feel bad. Like you, you like yeah. the family. You disappointed us. You can do better than this. Like you, you, you could, you, you should be giving hundred percent, not not half ass and shit. You know you can do better than this. You trying to be a dummy? That's what I used to get. My, my brothers get mm. beat because the speech wasn't working for them, so they they get whoopings. But mm. I was like, yeah, I'm not they okay with any methods. of that. Like, <laughs> I'm not okay with any of that. Mm-hmm. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I was going to that slave mentality too. though too. I was going to ask that question if you're yes, um, yes. if you're going to be, are you team um, spanking? team timeout or a combination of both or do you have other ways that you'd like to explore disciplining your child because I'm in the same boat with Marcus I really don't want to use physical or corporal punishment on my children I just don't think that that's a necessary way to discipline a child but you know what do I know I'm not a parent but I just know how I felt how it made me feel growing up and spanking didn't really work for me it made me more rebellious. Like I'm gonna go yeah. fuck some shit up, and then I'm, I'm gonna be sneaky about it, so you won't. I won't get in trouble next time. Exactly. That, that shit's honestly weird to me. Like this might be the most uh, vulgar what I say. If you, if you're a type of person and you have children and you bring them into this world, 
and you have the urge to smack the shit out of them, you're a weirdo and you need help. Because I personally have never, in the two and a half years that I've had Sanaya in my life and in this world, have I ever wanted to put my hands on her. That shit is weird to me. Um, Because if that's the case, I should be putting my hands on every fucking adult that comes across my path that doesn't do what the fuck I want them to do. Exactly. (laughs) So that, that doesn't really ever make sense to me. Um, because I'm like, if we can give adults that grace, we can give children the same amount of grace and respect. And that's how you know it's a power dynamic thing because you have power over that kid. So of course you can whip them and they're not going to, they're not going to necessarily fight you back all the time. Some of these kids will hit you back. And when they do, I just be like, "Mm." and I'd be happy for them kids. (laughs) Get your legs back, boo. Right. But then, (laughs) like you said, you wouldn't go up to an adult and just punch them or smack them and like. I told you I wanted you to do to 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 give me this spreadsheet. Why didn't you give me that spread? You know, it's you wouldn't do that. I don't know why I said spreadsheet, and but you know, sometimes it'd be like they had a bad day at work and then you did you did one little small thing wrong, and that now they can take all the frustration out of you because you forgot to wash dishes or some shit. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. That's and you gotta take a moment. There are a lot of times within my parenting where I think my worst moment, and this is like I'm so light is when Tristan was transitioning back to work and I was kind of on my own for a little bit. And it was one of these nights where Naya just would not go to sleep. And it was driving me insane because I hadn't slept. And I'm like, as soon as she go to sleep and hit the pillow, I'm trying to hit the pillow. And it was like, every time I would feed her, I would feed her, we would bond, cool, sing songs, all that, and lay her down. And she would pop up and just be so excited and awake. And it was like one of the last times, it's like three in the morning, and I just felt myself getting so fucking mad. I'm like, I'm doing everything to impossible. This little creature won't go to sleep. And so what I did is in that moment, I just laid her down in her crib. I walked out the room. I said, look, you tired? You're not in your right mind. Give yourself a little bit of a breather. Give yourself a little bit of a space. She don't know. She just want love, food, whatever. She going. Mm-hmm. She out the womb. She been out the womb less time than she was in it. So maybe she just missing she that warmth, that space. Singing fun. And I went back into the room about five, ten minutes later, fed her again, and the next time she went to bed, it's never that serious. And you're not really teaching anything. You're not even teaching your child to understand their body and the certain responses that they have in their body. And so that's when the shit turns into anxiety or depression or a lot of those other things because you're not giving your ch- a child a chance to feel and experience. And like, how is that going to be helpful for you? Especially when people talk about toughness and going out of the world. Like, you're not going to know how to make decisions if I'm at home just whacking you every time I don't like what I like. And it's mm-hmm. also interesting with parents too because then we go out in the world and they never like our friends. They never like the people that we date. We never like the people that we're with. And in a lot of times, they're just extensions of them. <laughs> yeah. One of our harmful, toxic phases. And they usually never like those people. And then if it's people that are really good for us, they're jealous. So it's like you're not even teaching me how to learn and exist and be myself. I, there's, And that's why I don't let people uh, at this point in time watch Naya because if you put your hands on my child I'm putting my hands on you that's just like that I don't have any kind of tolerance I'm afraid of. That's what I'm afraid. I, I know that me and my parents will fall out like, my kid had my kid my kid come home once like yeah my grandma and grandpa was yelling at me Mm-mm. grandma and grandpa spanked me then it's over you will never see my child again ever in life 
Mm-hmm. So they're 18 and they want to see grandpa and grandpa. Mm-mm. Like, I will cut Mm-mm. you off. Mm-mm. And there's two sides to it. Because I know, like, one of the biggest buzzwords now is gentle parenting. I definitely consider myself a gentle parent, but I'm like a gentle black parent. And I got a little black, sassy little girl. So, like, you know, sometimes I might not say stuff the sweetest, or I'd be like, girl, what you doing? Uh, you know, kind of hollering at her that kind of way and kind of like a sister kind of girlfriend way. But I'm always gonna be compassionate. Like that's the that's the best route about it. I'm still figuring out life. How I'm mad at you <laughs> for not understanding and figuring out life, and I barely know it. How are you supposed to know that a candle is hot? Like it's also <laughs> as a parent, you just have to like baby proof your life and your decisions. Like you can't just be doing wild shit all the time and then getting mad. Like and just laugh at the funny moments. There's been times, yeah. you know, you catch up. That's the time I caught her eating Vaseline. I know <laughs> another parent that been, No, why do they have the Vaseline in your vicinity where you can eat? Exactly. That's so tall. That's so Actually, you know what? That's the thing. My, we, we, um, I think my mama said that was something that me, we all did. We all, there's, we all kind of got into the Vaseline or the baby powder at some it's point. So but she didn't, spank, she didn't spank us for that. She just went and got the camera and took pictures of it. She thought it was funny. Because there's pictures of my brother. He got into the Vaseline. And my mom was just like, I guess it was just in a place where he could get it. I'm the kind of kid, though. I was so adventurous as a kid. I used to clam on bookcases and stuff. Like, I was so, I used to do some very dangerous stuff. And my mom was like, you do stuff like that anymore. You used to be fearless when you was a kid. And I'm just like, Cause you're used to be. <laughs> but, um, but no, my mama was like, um, I, I was really into doing stuff like that. And like, there's a, uh, uh, I know there was one time. I don't, I, I don't know if I got spanked for, I think I did, but I, by my dad, but I don't remember for the, the situation completely. But I do remember I went in my mom's and dad's room. I got into my mom's nail polish and I polished my nails. And I was like, oh, look at me. So and my dad was just like, no, 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 no. I, I don't think you resp- I don't think you responded, you know, very supportive or happy. They but- should have took that moment and tried to like, okay, he, this child might be expressing themselves without knowing they're expressing themselves. We should probably be gentle and nurture this the best that we can. That would have been the ideal response, but I feel like parents at that generation were just like, no, nah, no kid, a man about to be that. Nope. That's nope. so and then, wild. And talking to my mom about these things now. She said a lot of it wasn't the fact that she was just against having a queer child. It was more or less how the world was going to respond to me. And she felt like that was just one way of just protecting me from by toughening me up so that that, so that I wouldn't be hard by other people. But Mm. a lot of that was like projected onto me in a negative way. So So it didn't really Mm. it just made it more difficult for me to feel comfortable with expressing my feminine side. And just being authentic to myself now, because even now when I get my nails and stuff done, because I've always thought it was it always appe- was appealing to me. Mm-hmm. I know it makes her uncomfortable, but she's getting kind of more comfortable with the idea of it. And I think for her, even now, it's just it's about safety. But I think over she's she's getting more and more comfortable with it. The more I express myself and just be my authentic self, she's becoming more and more accepting and supportive of that. Why? Why does trying to why does safety always like? I'm 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 being rude and nasty to you because I'm trying to protect you from the world. Like, or you mm. can be nurturing and still protect me from the world. Because mm. c- sla- slavery, slavery, slavery. Yeah, it all it goes back from to the slavery. beginning of it. Really it goes back to that.
I'm Mark. And I'm Nick. And this is the Letters 2 Podcast. Where we discuss a wide range of topics such as race, sex, identity, and the state of mind, plus so much more. We will be joined by special guests so more voices can be heard. So come over and be our pen pal and join us over at Letters 2 Podcast. I will say when we're going back into the piece of things that my parents did right. One thing I always respected about my parents is that, excuse me, up until the age of six, I had a pretty genderless childhood. Like one day I could wear a tutu, the next day I could have my motorcycle jacket on and some jeans and I got my hair in a bun and all these other kind of things. I could play with Hot Wheels and I could play with Barbies. I could like all different kinds of things. And like, that's one thing I always respected about them and truly implement like with Sanaya like you can wear the color you wearing the color blue does not mean that you are masculine I like that that's a, that's a whole nother thing in itself that bothers me when like people act like certain fragrances or scents should be tied to a specific gender or like mm-hmm. specific colors should be tied to a specific it's, gender like it's I agree. it's arbitrary <laughs> too it's arbitrary mm. too because Prior to the 1950s, blue used to be a feminine color and pink was a masculine wow. color. Wow. Yeah, wow. Time that switched. Wow. I talk about stuff like that all the time. Like uh, the fact that it was actually men who wore heels so that they could be yes. taller and support their legs. And then they realized, oh, that make your ass look real nice. So let's put that on everybody yep, else. Yep. Like, it's yep. a lot of things that were not built for a specific gender and we just marketed that to be because they knew it would be profitable because of how we operate within society. And so that's one thing that I've always respected. I heard, I'm not sure if it's true, I'm waiting for this appointment, but I heard that it's actually at like your third year pediatrician appointment, they ask you, they ask children, are you a girl or a boy? And that's a lot of times where they discover how children are trans or if it's an intersex child and the parents just kind of made their own decision and maybe would have went the wrong way. A lot of times they get to figure those things out. So it's going to be exciting and interesting to have that appointment with Sanaya. I hope she just sings and making all the noises and don't really answer their question because it don't really matter. I like that. I know, and that's one thing that um, you know, with her diagnosis, a lot of people say that she gets to live in a bubble, and I like that. Like she gets to have a genderless childhood up until the point where she learns truly what a girl and a boy is, and she can just focus on: Am I happy? Am I hungry? Am I sad? Am I mad? Do I want to play with this? Boy, whether not mm-hmm. really thinking about am I a girl or a boy, and because mm-hmm. I'm a girl or a boy, what am I supposed to do or what I'm not supposed to do? Um, and that feels freeing, <laughs> it really feels pretty freeing. And we'll get there one day whenever that yeah. becomes important, you know. Like, she'll figure out one day that she's a black girl, you know, she or she's a black kid, and like we'll have those conversations in, but. It's so important to just allow kids and people to be themselves and even parents. Like, part of my motherhood was me recognizing that just because I was a mom, I could be other things. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a mom and I can consume cannabis and that's not going to make me a bad mom. I'm a mom and I'm queer and that's not going to make me a bad mom. I'm a mm-hmm. mom and I am a neurodivergent and that's not going to make me a bad mom. Like, even when you're parenting, I think a lot of parents go wrong because they feel like just because they're, they have their children, they can't be themselves. And so they try to prevent them ch- their children from being themselves as well. And it never works out. 
Never yeah. looked back. But I hear you, Nick. They they playing. <laughs> <laughs> they playing you for real. Because like, uh-huh. imagine us being in this space, being the beautiful and creative people that we are now and recognizing how much sooner we could have been ourselves yes. if we had that support. And so that's the thing. me a lot of stress and heartache and just they just mm. accepted, you know, mm. who I was and just mm. nurtured that. Mm. Where are y'all at in the kid realm? Can I ask a question back? Where are y'all at in the kid realm? Like, not really ever, or maybe, or I was having this conversation with my therapist earlier today because I'm I, I would like to have children someday. Ideally, I'd like to have them by the time I'm 35, but I don't want to put this arbitrary time stamp on when I need to have kids. So mm-hmm. when it happens, it happens. But I'm open to adopting children. Mm-hmm. Biological children will be fun, but. I think it's so many children out there that just need homes that mm. you know don't have them. So I would love to provide a, ha- a home to to a child. So mm. I'm open to adoption. Whatever whatever life has, you know, we'll see when I get there. But I'm open to mm. it. I love the idea of parenting, and I do want to experience that at some point in my life. If I'm single, I want at least two. If I have a partner, I want five. Oh! Girl, I want I want a partner for just one. I want, oh, honestly, having a partner, having a partner would be good, but mm. I want to be a dad. Like I've always felt this parental urge. Mm. I always want to be a dad. Like having a partner would be great. I would love to have one to five kids. That'd be amazing with a husband on my side. But that's not a requirement for me. I am mm. okay with being a single parent to one or two kids. I just want to be a parent. I don't need nobody with me. Again, mm-hmm. having a partner would be amazing, but I want to be a dad. So if mm-hmm. I have to do that alone, I'm okay with doing adoption alone, doing surrogacy alone. Somebody can leave me their kid and they will. I'm okay with that. Like, I just want to <laughs> be, be a dad. Like I have this urge. I have no idea where it came from. I've Get hit with the stork. <laughs> I wish I, I, if I could, I'd be putting my delivery right now. Like, send me two, please. Like to me too. Mm. I don't care about the color or nothing. Like mm. I just want to be like even when I when I I do plan on adopting at least one kid, and I'm open to adopt the kid no matter the background, no matter no matter the the, the mental or 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 the, the their, their mental state or their their medical history. I want to be a great parent to a kid that deserves and needs a lot of love. Mm. I don't care if they have. This disease, that's why they're still stuck in here. Nobody else wants to adopt them, or mm-hmm. they got this weird traumatic backstory. Like, I don't care. This kid needs love, and I have love to give. I want to be their dad. If the connection is there, I want to mm-hmm. be a dad. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to be a parent. That's just what mm-hmm. I want. What about you, Mercedes? Uh, for me, I do want a shorty. I want a boy for sure. Um, I'll be honest, I actually tried (laughs) before, about two years ago. Uh, So I definitely want a son. I'm open for adoption. I actually looked into that. And I'm open to co-parent, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want a boy. I I want five kids if I have a partner, and I want two boys and three girls. I've already got names picked out. I want all my kids to be named after birds. Dove, sparrow, crow. You know what, Marcus? No, 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 no,
I'm not gonna be a godmother to no kid named Crow. I'm gonna show up to and every then, baby shower. Sit down over there. Go sit down, Tweety. It is. It's gonna be actually. Cleo, yes. baby. Mm-hmm. That's Cleo, baby. And Cleo, gonna be the godmother to that kid. Like, go, go with your godmama, um, Tweety. Go with your godmama, Cleo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for real, Tweety, for real. Uh-uh. Like, I got like a list of like twenty girl names and like twenty boy names. I have a list of twenty. Non-gender specific names. Oh, because I also mm, would have really also, thought this out. I because I, mm. I, I love the name Ashley for a boy. I don't know why. I just think that's a great name for a boy. I do too. And I, like I think Charlie Ashley. is a great name for a girl. Agreed. Mm. I love. Like, I, so mm. I have like gender. I have like gender switch names and gender non gender non specific names. Come on now. I have a I have a Google list. It's about like fifty names long, but it's like kind of like I really. Mm. This is how bad I want kids. And want to be mm. a dad. I have all this already picked out and planned, and I be reading baby books. I don't even. I don't, I'm, I'm nowhere near to have it. I be reading baby books and like how to nurture a kid within their first few months of being alive, and like this is what you should do between ages of two to five. I have all these books and how to talk to your teenager. Like I just be reading. Like mm. I want to be a great care. parent. You're gonna be a great parent. I'm a, I'm gonna come to every baby shower, but um, <laughs> right. I might Naya might be my only one. I don't know. Naya might be my only one biologically. Like all y'all, like I'm really definitely on the adoption vibe. Even maybe fostering at some point in time too, because I recognize that sometimes children need those homes as they're transitioning. But um, five. I think my minimum is two because I do like the sibling. Like me and my siblings, because I'm I'm six years old in the one and twelve years old in the other one. So there's a, there's a huge gap and a lot of disconnect. But now that me and the middle one are both adults, because he just turned like twenty, we have a great relationship. Come on, that's and, how that's how and, it be. <laughs> and I, I love like the relationship when you're a kid is always combative. For y'all kids, y'all. Y'all competing for your parents' affection. You try to be the. You want to be the best kid that your parent got. So it's mm. always competition there. Flexor, but, once y'all, but once you get to the age where y'all can actually talk and get along, it's it's different, and it's like wow. But then you also realize when you get older, like okay, we had we we have some of those same childhood traumas. So I wasn't the only like we went through we went through like this weird period together together. Mm. I wasn't a I wasn't a lone soldier. I had somebody on the battlefield with me. Come on okay? now. <laughs> so I want my kids to have that. Mm. I'm not saying I won't like I feel like at some point a parent would do some some shit that would traumatize their kid. It just it happens. It, it might be unexpected. And I want my kid be able to go vent to his dad pissed me off today. Fuck him. Like go, mm. go have that. Mm. Like go have that. Go vent mm. to your sibling about me. Mm. Like I want you to have I- that. I like the idea that I think parents really want their siblings, want their kids and their siblings to be um, friends with each other. I like that too. My parents wanted that for us, but you have to create an environment that cultivates that that. too. You can't create an environment where they're competing against each other for your affections or you're comparing one child to the next, you know, or you're venting the one child about the other. You need to have a household that uh, don't force them to get along, you know, teach them how to, um, their differences and be cordial with one another and 
you know, solve their problems. Um, teach them, cultivate that and teach them that. Don't force them to get along. Mm-hmm. I wish parents wouldn't do that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. then you put people in survival mode. Like, yeah. I think me and my sister were finally realizing, like, we're unpacking a lot of the behaviors that we have when it comes to our parents because, like, we're not in survival mode anymore. We're not kids anymore. We can operate differently or we can even have a different relationship outside of that. But that's, like you say, they never nourished or cultivated. And then everybody wants it to be one big happy family once everybody's an adult and everybody's kind of in their own corner, their own space because they've learned to live without each other. Or I wasn't really living well when I had to. So why would I do that now? You know? But that's exactly. a chance for us to make. I've been I've been kind of navigating that myself of like reinventing my relationship with my sister now that we're both adults because most of my childhood was me parenting her. <laughs> like sometimes people get into positions where they have to parent their siblings. The siblings young been there. Yeah, yeah. I've been in that position too. Yeah, I can relate. Yeah. Can relate. How do you transition? It's such a difficult time to transition from that child that got had to parent or reparent their siblings or even their parents and then trying to be like actual siblings. It's such a difficult space to be in. Oh, that, that, really that goes, actually, I ain't transitioned. They they still know. They still, <laughs> they, they still have because again, like my dad yells. Like he yells mm-hmm. and we ignore. So like mm-hmm. even today, like if they do something, some stupid shit, my mom calls me because they know she knows like once I talk to them that gets nipped in the bud. Like like what what the fuck y'all doing? So that is still there, but we also but we also can be siblings. Like I still we still have that it's how it should be with your parent. You can talk to them and chit chat and have fun, but that authoritative like parental need is still there when needed. Cause I would still kick their ass if I need to, but we can mm-hmm. still smoke and be kumbaya together. And save space and I wanna know you good and all mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause that's where we're at, and I'm just like, I never thought we would, I would be here where I'm actually, cause even my parents are like, you really be talking to them? I'm like, yes, we have a group chat, or like apart from the family group chat, we be talking about all types of shit. We usually complain about y'all if we being serious. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. my, my 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 baby brother, cause he like six, 16, 17, He texts me, he he texts a group chat. Your parents is killing my mood today. I'm like, I bet you. <laughs> or my brother be like. Mama, they won't let me go nowhere. Like I get it. I'm like, shit, you thought they didn't let me go nowhere. What the fuck you thought you was gonna do different? Like mm-hmm. And that's hard because it's like, especially with younger siblings, especially when you move out of the home or you're navigating your parents a lot differently, like it's two separate journeys. And so sometimes like I wanna give my sister advice, but I'm like, you gonna have to figure this out on your own. <laughs> I can't. There's not enough time or advisement that I can give you that'll help you get up out of this situation or your feelings. Yeah. yeah, my parents still parent the same, so it be case to case mm. basis. I'd be like, and when it comes to my dad, I'd be like, you know, I'm like, just like, you know, just I'm like, just let him yell and grunt, and then when he walk away, ignore everything he said because mm. that's what I used to do, and I'm doing fine. Mm. I'm like with your mama. With your mama, you gotta do it because she gonna nag you and she gonna she gonna take away your allowance, your money. I'm like, Dad, you you fake listen and you ignore. Well, mom, you do. And when all mm. that's fail, run a grandma. Mm. That's that's what I used to do. So, mm. Mm. and I want to be that person. Like, I don't know. I just want to be the person that Naya needs me to be when I need it. Like, 
even if Naya were to find other people in her life that she felt like she could confide in more than me, I would still want to encourage those relationships because sometimes it is difficult coming to your parents and talking about specific topics or different traumas or things like that, or they, they're not the first person that you necessarily want to go to. So I would never feel any type of way if she had another kind of village or community outside of that. But I'm going to hold her down. If <laughs> you do come to me and just like judgment free, I think that's the hard part about a lot of these relationships within families is that you want it to be judgment free. And you want to make sure people not telling your business because I don't know what it is about black parents are having a hole in their lip when it come about your business. There are times especially with my husband's family, where I'm like, how did y'all even find out about that? Oh, you told. I was because- just <laughs> thinking about that. Like, I used to hate mm. the game of telling. I told my mom, mm-hmm. my mom found out I was gay. She's like, you know what? I ain't going to tell nobody you gay. You got to come out come out to the family yourself, which one was an issue when she said that. But then the next day, my auntie called me. So your mama told me you was gay. What? This is not the conversation we just had. Well, at least she told you the source. told you the source. <laughs> she think your mama told me. Like, like, <laughs> I'm like, first you felt you you told you, you told me like you would be ashamed to say you had a gay son, but now you didn't tell half the goddamn mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But then well, Nick, Sadie, do you guys have any last questions you want to ask? I was gonna get spicy real quick because we've Go been oh get mad serious and uh it won't be me if I ain't you know get <laughs> a little spicy. So I got one is okay. a little spicy and then the other one is just wrapping it all up. So okay. the first one is just me being curious. Is it true about pregnancy sex? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, don't do that. You knew I was gonna do something wrong. You know do that. it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> wait, we free. We free. We it's a safe space. It's a we free as fuck. I was snail trailing, you know, throughout my <laughs> my pregnancy. <laughs> um, do you want to do it all the time? Yeah. Sometimes no, but when you do, it's pretty fire. Uh, if you want to get even extra spicy. Breastfeeding and having milk and lactating the sex is also an interesting kind of phase. Okay. Uh, not gonna okay. lie, you know, like um, it feels really empowering. Let me go there, y'all. I might cut this off. It's really empowering being able to squirt now your we milk keep on somebody. This. Let's go. <laughs> I was gonna say because you know being I'm, able like, to- I'm lactose intolerant, but I wonder if breast milk <laughs> is different because. You know, it's from a human being. I'm just saying. When you think about it, I don't know if this is humane or inhumane or nothing. We're going to breast smoke this whole time. Well, like, wearing a Rosa Parks t shirt. Why? Nah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> no, the irony in you wearing that irony shirt today. Nah. Um, it's like, why do we not drink breast milk, but we drink cow milk? Like, why are we allowing cows to drink their own milk and just drink our own milk? And like, breast milk is a whole thing in itself. Like, there are some babies and moms where like, the baby will only take breast milk. And so she'll get like a breast milk donor and get breast milk from somebody who has like an oversupply. And so I'm just like, if we can do that, we can incorporate. I know people who have made like breast milk popsicles, breast milk cakes, cookies, all kind of stuff. A lot of times, 
it's for the kids. But I can only imagine the amount of time somebody said, you know, I'm going to try this too. And breast milk is really oh, sweet. She's chocolate in it. I'm good to go. <laughs> it's already really sweet. It's already really sweet. That's why they call it like liquid gold or whatever they call it. But yeah, definitely some intercourse and squirting your milk on somebody and getting it in is nothing like it. Um, I, I, I will recommend. Also, it helps out with claws. A lot of people don't notice. I saw this on TikTok the other day. This, this lady was talking about how she got her husband to suck a clog out because your breast can get clogged and engorged when you're breastfeeding. So, mm. you know, getting your best. But yeah, my pregnancy sex uh, is pretty freaking fire. Uh, there was a lot of slippery slopes in my life. Uh, <laughs> and you don't have to, if you're someone who doesn't care for birth control or things like that, you ain't got to worry about being pregnant. So you can go... The sky's the limit. You know what I'm saying? If you got a breeding kink or whatever, like hit it home. That's all you really gotta do. So yeah, oh I was pretty God. happy with my um my snail trail during my pregnancy. Stop waiting, Nick. Stop giving me <laughs> that. I just I that was just me being. I just wanted to know. Sadie's no. always breaking to the sex, oh, but I love, on, I love man. it. I love it. Come on, we was hitting everything. We had to hit that. Especially because your body's changing and you're really sensitive. Um, and I was one of those people, like, other people be like, but what about the baby? The baby in its own sack, separate from all my canals, so we good. So I, never about really, that. I never cared about that. But I know you had another one. I know you okay, had another cool. one. What's your wrap-up question, Sadie? <laughs> okay. Okay, because Nick giving a look. Ooh. All right. So. <laughs> Nick was, that was Nick for my own. That was for my own personal gain. So, you know what I'm saying? That was for me. But um, if you can, define motherhood in your own words. Ooh. I love that question. Mm. Define motherhood in my own words. Mm. I would say I'm going to just throw out adjectives because this when I think of motherhood, I think of compassion. I think of spirituality, because you got to rely a lot on your intuition and your connection with the other mothers and parents and fathers of the past. Um, I think it's also about authenticity, because you can only parent the way that you were meant to parent. You can't copy and paste it um, on someone else or someone else's child is completely individualized. Um, and I would say, especially when it comes to my motherhood, because my, my motherhood is Black, is magical. It's a transformative, creative, and really curious experience. And I get to learn so much about myself and this other creature that I brought into the world. And despite all of the chaos that we see in this day and age, whether it's the Ukraine or the pandemic, it's beautiful being able to create this own like sanctuary where you can bond with another creature and pull other people in, pull the village yeah. in. It's really beautiful. So, yeah, that's how I Nick, do you have a last question? I think she, my, my last question was actually going to be, what is your parenting mantra? And I think you just kind of went into that when you yeah. defined motherhood. So that, that, that really wraps it up for me. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I think that wraps it up for me too. Cause I was going to ask if you had any advice for 
for new mothers, but I think you... Would, yeah, you know, <laughs> just be real with yourself. And if you ever have a day where you're feeling like, I don't know why I did this, how am I doing this? Keep pushing, because <laughs> that's how you're going to feel. Like, validate every feeling. Validate the days where you feel like you're doing your best and validate the days when you feel like you're doing your worst, because that's just going to inspire you to be your best self. And Absolutely. don't give up on yourself, because if you give up on yourself, you're giving up on your kids. You know, put yourself first. You can't, like Nick and um, Marco saying earlier, you can't pour from an empty cup. It'll never work. And so that would definitely be my advisement. But thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Pache, for joining yeah. us. And thank you so much for coming. This was dope. I really enjoyed this interview. This was awesome. And I feel like I was saying crazy stuff, but... <laughs> no, he was being yourself. The real. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys took a lot away from this. Good night, everyone. Should we do an intro?